Okay, it's the first Sunday in December, uh, so we're beginning our celebration of the Christmas season uh, today. We're going to be talking, actually using the theme, the gifts of Christmas, and uh, today we're going to be looking at the gift of hope. So I might ask you kind of an odd question, to, do you ever feel like Charlie Brown? Um, you know, in the midst of the Christmas decorations that have been up since Halloween, uh, Christmas songs that get stuck in your head, the lights, the shopping, the cookies and parties. Do you ever want to just stand up and shout in exasperation like Charlie Brown, Is, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Now, I'm sure you've seen the classic TV special, A Charlie Brown Christmas. Actually, it's been airing since... Uh, 1965, um, uh, that's a pretty good run. Anyway, you look at it, and it's probably on several times during each Christmas season. But especially for a cartoon that was produced on a low budget and what was basically a last-minute production scheduled for animation, it all came about when the Coca-Cola company came looking for a Christmas special to sponsor uh, for their holiday marketing. The cartoon Peanuts was uh, wildly popular at that time, so they asked for a meeting and ideas. Uh, Peanuts creator Charles Schultz uh, and the producers threw together an outline in a single day. And the Coke execs went for it. Um, Schultz had some unorthodox ideas like a jazz soundtrack, this 1965. Um, a laugh, no laugh track, um, which was a staples for uh, TV shows in that era. Most of all, he was adamant that the true Christmas story be presented, complete with a scene read straight from the Bible. Now, the TV producers worried that it would be too controversial uh, to read the Bible on national television. Now, when we look back, we think, oh, well, that shouldn't have been such a big deal way back then. But even then, it, it was. Um, but Schultz insisted. So controversial or not, uh, you could say the show has, has done pretty well you know, to be around all of, these, all of these years. And you've probably seen it a time or two yourself. Uh, if so, you know that Charlie Brown is surrounded by all the trappings of Christmas, uh, but they all come up empty. When he wonders aloud what Christmas is really all about, his best friend Linus uh, sets him straight with a clear answer, uh, straight from Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. And so Linus recites the passage in one of the most poignant scenes in television history. Watch this clip. In those words, Charlie Brown finds hope. It's, it's where the whole Christmas experience turns for him, and the good old Chuck realizes the true meaning of Christmas. Uh, he goes from being depressed by the season to inspired by it. He goes from an inward focus 
of questioning to an outward focus of sharing the season with others. For many people, Christmas is not a happy time, and, and we realize that. Um, you, you may have lost a spouse uh, or a parent, a parent. This may be your first Christmas since then, or maybe even a close family member. Uh, you may be fighting hard uh, to become a survivor of divorce. A close family member may be incarcerated uh, or struggling with some form of addiction. You may have even lost your job. So the season's not going to be a very merry time for you. But today, I want us to separate the two worldviews of Christmas and focus on the biblical worldview or the true significance of Christmas, what it really means and what it's all about. I want you to to hear those same words of hope as we enter the Christmas season. So over the next four weeks, we're going to unwrap the gifts of Christmas as we journey through the Christmas season. It's our chance to listen to the stories, to remember the true meaning of Christmas, uh, to wait in expectation for the arrival of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, The point is not to get rid of the trappings, uh, the traditions, and celebrations all around us, but to take a purposeful journey through them to more deeply experience the biblical gifts of Christmas, hope, love, peace, and joy. So you may have noticed this gift up here. Um, It's intentional. It's not to me. It's to all of us, really. So it's hope, which is the subject of of our message today. Now, entering the Christmas season, and here we are, beginning of December, uh, so we're entering that time. Now, a word associated with Christmas that may or may not be familiar to you is the word Advent. Now, those of you who've been around me for a number of years will note that I've never really used this word uh, very much. Um, it's, It's a perfectly good word. It's not used in the Bible, so it's not a biblical word. And um, and one of the reasons that I may steer, steer clear of it is because of some of the strange uh, traditions that have risen from some denominational backgrounds that really have little to do uh, with the basic biblical celebration of Christmas. For example, uh, having uh, what they call an Advent calendar um, with little windows that open up revealing a a gift or a treat uh, for each day of the month leading up to Christmas. Uh, You know, my question is, where'd that come from? You know... What's that mean? You know, what's that all about? Uh, but, but the word itself is a perfectly good word, and it means literally uh, coming or arrival. Now, I really prefer Christmas because it has Jesus in it. Uh, Christmas literally from the original language means Christ sent, uh, which is what God did. God sent Christ uh, into the world, so... You'll hear me use the word Christmas uh, more more often. 
But the idea behind Jesus' arrival or coming goes all the way back to Genesis, uh, back to man's fall. Following Adam and Eve's fall in the Garden of Eden, God gave a glimpse into the future and presented a promise of hope. Now, it's a little obscure, uh, but it, it is a promise of hope. And it's the possibility of having a renewed relationship with God. Now, Adam and Eve, through their sin, separated themselves from God. So they didn't enjoy the close intimacy uh, afterward that they had enjoyed with him before uh, their fall. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, we can see what that is. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, that's the woman's offspring, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now that those are references to uh, the crucifixion in that way. Uh, Satan attacked Jesus' heel, the seed of woman. But in the resurrection, the head of the serpent, the head of Satan was crushed. Um, you know, the consequences of sin, you know, was taken care of. Jesus paid the price and made it possible uh, for forgiveness. So from this remote prophecy, history has been marked by expectation, waiting, anticipation, and longing for a Savior who would restore man back to God. As God, over the years, revealed additional details about the Messiah's coming, people longed for the day. They looked forward to it. They anticipated it. They wanted it to come sooner than later. Anticipation even peaked during the 400, uh, I'll call them silent years, that was a period between Malachi and the birth of Jesus. There's 400 years that no one heard from God. God didn't speak to any prophets. God didn't reveal uh, his word in any way. And so this was an eerie time for people. They never experienced God being silent for such a long period of time like this. No revelation. And so in the big scheme of things, the Jewish people wondered what was happening. Something was happening. Uh, something big was happening. Uh, they sensed it. People began to expect that something extraordinary was about to take place. Maybe even it was time for the Messiah. Now Christmas uniquely links the past, present, and future. So you know, Jewish people looked for the coming of the Messiah. Okay, then he came, he's here. Uh, his work is being processed uh, all over the world as the gospel goes forth and people are converted and given the hope of eternal life. And then he's coming back, that's future, uh, to restore and to gather all of these people and present them to God. Now, there was hope associated with Messiah's coming into the world to establish his kingdom. The Jews had this hope, and they, they clung to it. 
all throughout the Old Testament period. When Jesus was born, then their hope was realized. It became reality. God saw to it that his son's birth was recognized and celebrated, though I think probably not like we would have orchestrated. Uh, it was kind of low-key. Uh, we would not have had him born to a pauper family. We would not have had him born into a barn or stable. Uh, a lot of the details we would have changed had we been in control, uh, but this was God's way. Now, the Jewish people never quite understood or appreciated the progression of Jesus' kingdom. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure that they understood it at all. They knew that there was going to be a kingdom, but they were, they were looking for a totally different kind of, of kingdom. Um, but this season of Jesus coming to the world links past, present, and future. We can share or feel with the Jewish people as they waited for a long time for the Messiah initially to come, uh, here now we celebrate his birth uh, and experience the consequences of that, but it's time for us to be alert about his second coming, just like the Jews were to be alert about his uh, initial coming. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, Isaiah writes, once again, this is 700 plus years before Jesus' birth, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Christmas is a time to focus on a far greater story than all those things that may be affecting us right now. Uh, you know, you may have a lot of things going on in your life, but let me remind you, Christmas is all about Jesus. It's not all about you. And we've changed it in the world. We've made it easy for people who are not even believers uh, to accept and celebrate Christmas as uh, just a time of, of uh, happiness, a time of, of joy and sharing gifts uh, among each other. And so the, the true meaning, the, the original significance is lost completely. When we focus on hope, it goes like this. I hope it doesn't rain. I hope I get that job. I hope the world will be at peace. I hope he gets better. I hope she shows up. I hope, and you could fill in the blank, whatever you might hope for. Worldly hope is characterized by doubt uncertainty, and a lack of control, situation we have no control over. So we hope for things that may or may not happen. But hope in Jesus is a guarantee. It's a sure thing. Okay, we'll go back and look at hope past, uh, first of all. I want to I ask you a personal question. What is the longest that you've ever waited for anything? What's the longest you've ever waited for anything in your life? Well, you have to develop the want, first of all. 
uh, it, it may have been a job, your first job. It may have been get, to get married. It may have been to have children, have grandchildren. Let me look around. Great-grandchildren. I mean, it could be any number of things. Is there anything that you've waited your entire life for? Well, for the Jewish people, generation after generation after generation, they had waited for the coming of the Messiah. <clears throat> so they, they learned from their parents who had waited their lifetime that they waited, and now they're waiting, and then their children are going to wait. And it was many generations um, uh, 4,000 years, actually, about 4,000 years, that period of time uh, before the Messiah was first predicted and he actually came into the world. The promise didn't always make the waiting easy, even though God reminded them from time to time you know, that the Messiah was coming. Uh, the, the text I read at the beginning of the service, Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin. Now, this doesn't happen. This is impossible. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which we know means God with us. 700 plus years before Jesus was born, Isaiah said that. Chapter 9, verse 6, another prophecy. For, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So here are all these titles that Jesus would be given. Old Testament prophecies gave the Jewish people a clear expectation of God's promise, his promised Messiah. And those prophecies, as I said, uh, went from 4,000 B.C. all the way up to the time that Jesus was born. The promises didn't always make the waiting easy, even though God constantly gave them reminders. Now, as we prepare for our Christmas celebration and await Jesus' second coming, like the Jewish people, most of us, have situations and circumstances in our own lives that make, make it difficult for us to wait. Wait on God. Like them, we still wait for the complete fulfillment of God's salvation for the world. Now, many of the prophecies, some of which we've read this morning, uh, in the Old Testament were fulfilled in Jesus' coming, but others are yet to be completed when he comes again the second time. Now, I have found uh, human nature, is, we don't like the waiting rooms of life. We don't like those. Uh, many of you have been in the hospital, been in the waiting room, and uh, maybe one, your spouse was there, or one of your children, or one of your parents, and, and you know while they're back in surgery and you're sitting there waiting, uh, we don't generally think of the positive things that are going to be the outcomes of the surgery. Uh, a lot of times we focus on the negative things, the things that could happen, the things that we don't want to happen, uh, but that are, that are possibilities. So, you know, so we don't, we don't like 
uh, those waiting rooms of life. But as we look back on hope past, we gain confidence and renew our faith in God's promises to us. Hebrews 11, verse 1, a Hebrew writer says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith's not easy. Faith is difficult. Faith is a challenge. Uh, we can find confidence in the fulfillment of Christ's arrival uh, so that the first prophecy came through, his first, his first coming, you know, he came. We know that for certainty. History uh, attests to it. Um, and, and he has done uh, all these things in our lives. He's changed us from the inside out. Uh, but we can also find assurance that there is much more to come, that God's going to complete his good work in you and me, and that he will fulfill his promises to make all things new and complete in the end. Let this season be a journey of building confident hope as you wait for his coming. Well, then let's look at hope present. Uh, now, to do this, we've got to read the rest of the story that Linus began for us. Luke chapter 1, beginning verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel said to her, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. I'd be very suspicious if an angel came to me and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. What, what does that mean? You know, number one, I'd, I'd be shocked at seeing an angel never having seen one before. Uh, it'd be quite an experience. So I want you to put yourself in Mary's place. The Lord is with you, the angel said. And I'd have to think, okay, what does that mean? Uh, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So see, she's no different than we are. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child. She's a virgin. You will be with child and give birth to a son. Uh, you know, when a woman gets in an expecting way. She doesn't know in the beginning if it's male or female, but, you know, the angel says, it's going to be a boy. And you are to give him the name Jesus, which literally means, translated in English, Savior. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? I don't think her question was about the last part of what the angel predicted. I think it was about the first part, that she was going to have a baby. You know, how can this, you know, her question is, how can this be? She doesn't question the greatness of the Messiah, the significant role that he's going to play. She questions her part in this equation. So how shall this be, Mary, asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
not the son of Joseph, who she was engaged to, the son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, she was actually a cousin, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Now, she's thinking the impossible. I'm a virgin. I can't have a baby because I've never known a man. But the angel says nothing is impossible with God, and she, he, he uses her cousin Elizabeth as an example because in her old age, she who was barren is having a son. Listen to Mary's response, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, as difficult as this was to say, may it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now, unlike the Old Testament prophecies, this is a much more personal and eminent prediction. I mean, you know, everything's about to take place. Now, when all those things were said 700 years earlier and 4,000 years earlier, uh, you know, we weren't anywhere close. But now... It's close. In the midst of life's questions, do you ever find yourself wishing that Gabriel uh, would just show up and let you know what to expect? You know, I've been in those situations in life. Wouldn't it be easier to know what's going on and why? Well, maybe. Um, in Mary's case, perhaps it would have been uh, easier not to know. What do you do with this kind of information? You know, if you hear it, if you're told it even in advance. Mary was given a direct message from Gabriel, but even then it took faith to place her trust and hope in God. Now, thankfully, Mary responded in faith and held fast to the hope of the promise of Emmanuel, God with us which she had heard, she had been taught from the time she was a child. Today, as we begin celebrating the Christmas season, we know and hold fast to that hope. Now, Jesus has come and made a way for us to be one with God through his forgiveness of our sins. It's all made possible because of his death on the cross. So Jesus' coming changes everything. Now, as you sit here today, the present hope you hold on to may not seem to be changing things. Your heart and mind may be flooded with concerns, stresses, and hardships that you face. Signs of change in your circumstances may be slim to none. But that doesn't mean that change is not happening. It doesn't mean God isn't working behind the scenes, inside other people or situations. It doesn't mean he isn't working inside our hearts to teach us and to shape us. Regardless of what outward results look like, at any given moment, we can find hope. Hebrews 6, verse 19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, 
firm, and secure. Now, our hope in Jesus, this present hope that we have, doesn't stop the storms of life. It doesn't prevent the storms of life. It doesn't change the immediate situations that we face, but like an anchor holds a ship steady against the wind and the waves, our hope holds us firm and secure in the midst of life's storms. Let this season be one of secure hope in the midst of whatever storms you face. Now, hope future. While our focus leading up to Christmas is naturally on the birth of Jesus, I mean, that's what I, that's the focus. That's what we're looking at um, in all of our celebrations, at you know his arrival in the world. But there's a side to it. There's a facet of that um, that has to do with the future. Our hearts need to be prepared for Christmas, but also for when Jesus comes again. Because the Bible tells us clearly that he's coming again. Uh, You may find that waiting patiently for the second coming of Jesus is even harder than waiting for Christmas. And, you know, it's harder for some than others. For children, it's hard. You know, you go cut the Christmas tree and you put it up and they're ready for Christmas. You, you start buying them presents and you wrap those and you put them under the tree and they begin to examine to see which ones are theirs. And, and, and it's internally, it's like we can't wait. You know, they're so excited um, that, that they can't wait. Well, you may find that waiting patiently for the second coming of Jesus is even harder than waiting for Christmas. We long for the time when all will be restored and everything made new. We experience pain and suffering uh, in this life, and we wait in eager hope for the future because we know all this is going to pass. Our hope lies in the fact that the baby who was born in a stable in Bethlehem will return again in the clouds and complete the work of God in our world. So we wait placing our hope in him for the past, for the present, what we are today celebrating, and the future. It's the bigger picture of our faith and of God's plan for our world. And so the Apostle Paul explained it like this, Romans 8, beginning with verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, grown inwardly, As we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, okay, this body wears out, this body's susceptible to pain and disease and injury, but the new body will not. So as we live and as we exist in pain and suffering, we look forward uh, to that new body. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Now, it's hard to be patient. I find it hard to be patient. Don't you find it hard to be patient? Uh, I think you're probably like me. Uh, You do. It's hard to wait. But I encourage you to lean in 
and unwrap the gift of hope today. No matter what the department stores try to tell you, Christmas has not yet arrived. Uh, This is a season of preparation. This is a season of waiting, expectation. There is value as well as excitement in patient and expectant waiting. May this be a season of wonder as you discover the gifts that Jesus offers to you this Christmas, which is hope, love, joy, and peace. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to stand, sing our song of decision. Our hope for eternity is in Jesus. Jesus is the source of our hope. I want to encourage you today to uh, reflect on your life. You may need to make make a real serious commitment, committing your life uh, to Jesus. I would encourage you, uh, if you need to do that, to do that today. Let's sing as we stand.